0: Welcome to Fearless Mom. We are super excited to get started with this series about discipline. And we are calling it Rinse and Repeat because you'll see more in just a sec, but when it comes to discipline, It's not one strategy that works for every child. It is not one strategy that works with one child for a long time, actually. We are constantly being called to be more clever as moms, more creative, and to problem solve. And so we're calling it rinse and repeat because no matter how we feel about it, We don't give up. It's a marathon and we will keep running. I often um, open it up to Q&A when I'm speaking somewhere or even here in our um, facility at Lake Hills Church. And almost all of the questions I get from moms are about discipline. And almost all of the moms feel one of two ways. Number one, they're frustrated because they feel like what they're doing isn't working. Or they are afraid because they feel like what they're doing is wrong. And almost every mom I know lives every day of her life thinking and asking herself, am I raising them up or messing them up? And so we want to remind you that we are going to talk about strategies, but that feeling, that worry is something that every mom carries. And you are not alone, but we're going to give you some tools that will help you when you feel that to remind you. Actually, I can do something about that and I can um, do the best I can to help my kid discover who he can be. And so first we wanna welcome in our online moms. So if you are watching or listening, I just think technology is amazing that we can record what goes on here and then we connect with so many moms via the internet. You know, I think uh, technology sometimes gets a bad rap, but we are utilizing it to help other moms. And so, whether you are watching with a group or you are listening in the carpool line, um, we want to remind you and our prayer is that you feel the love from Austin, Texas. (laughs) We are with you, we are for you, and we are gonna tackle this together today. So let's pray and get started. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for technology that allows us to connect to so many moms. I thank you for this facility and all the volunteers and the staff who make it work and make it happen so that we can help as many moms as possible. We ask right now, God, that you settle our hearts and minds and that you open our eyes and ears so that we can see and hear what you want us to learn today so that we can be the moms you've created us and called us to be, so that we can raise up our kids to discover and be who you created them to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Hey, Amen. You guys are doing pretty good. How many of you already had two cups of coffee? That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm limited to two cups by those around me. So I want to start by telling you about two kids that um, I love. The, let's see, I guess it was about three weeks ago, maybe, maybe two weeks ago. I was in my office with two toddlers. Their moms were both volunteering and they were having a meeting For the Fearless Mom Conference. So I took the two kids up. Most of the little kids, the staff kids and volunteer kids, they know I have snacks in my office. So they came up to my office and I was sitting with them. And this is Loic and Brooklyn. We've got a picture of them. Um, And they are just, yeah, oh, if you're listening, just trust us. They're precious. And they are the best of friends. And so they come in. As a matter of fact, Loic came in this morning, saw my face and said, snack? You know, I said, yes, I would always love to be associated with snacks. And so um, anyway, so we were upstairs in my office and they were playing, they were having their snack and they were taking turns. They were moving pillows from the chair to the couch and pretending um, that, you know, it was nap time. And I'm pretty sure Brooklyn was pretending that she was the mom and that she was telling Loic to have nap time. And so then I noticed, and I'm working over here in the corner, interacting with them a little bit, but they're playing. And then I noticed that um, they discovered the throw blanket that I had. Had. And so they're looking at the throw blanket. And then uh, Brooklyn wanted Loic to go get on the couch, you know, and so that she could be the mom, you know, and, and put, make him have nap time. And then um, I could see that they started going back and forth. I had two children and one throw blanket. Everybody, every mom knows that that's a problem. And so I could see them going back and forth. And I could see, you know, and I could hear their volume begin to escalate and the tone change a little bit. And so I said, okay, guys, you know what? come here for a second. I I called Brooklyn over because I did know that Loic had had the blanket first. And so I said, okay, you guys have some options here. There's only one blanket and Brooklyn, you get to make a choice. You can ask Loic if he wants to share it with you right now and you can both use it or you can take turns. But Lowick goes first because he had it first. And I'll set a timer and then it will be your turn. But Brooklyn, you have a choice. You can choose which one. But if it's a problem, then I'm going to have to put the blanket away. And so I was calm. I was collected. I was cool. I was like, so what do you choose, Brooklyn? And she looked around. If you guys ever had the opportunity to spend time with Brooklyn or Lowick, they are hilarious. And so Lowick's watching, you know, to see what Brooklyn chooses. And then Brooklyn looks. I'll share," and I said. "Okay, ask Loic if he will share with you because he did have it first. And so he said, "Yes." And so they got in the chair with their cheeses, you know, and the blanket, and it worked great. The truth of the matter is, they shared for about 30 seconds, and they had moved on to something else. But you and I both know that that could have escalated, and it could have lasted much longer—30 minutes, not 30 seconds. And so I was thinking about that, and I'm like, "Brooklyn totally could have chosen." to pitch a fit and to say, no, I want this blanket right now. Loic could have pitched a fit and said, actually, no, I'm not sharing the blanket, I had it first. Definitely, I think part of the diffusing was that I had Cheez-Its, and snacks always help. But the truth of the matter is, I think at that point, they both are at an age and stage where they saw their options and they learned. It was a learning opportunity for everyone. They learned, I can choose either of these. I have a choice to make. Number two, my actions affect others. This does involve other people and it will affect them. Number three, my choice will have a consequence either a positive, we can play together, or a negative, Miss Julie's gonna put the blanket up. It was amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And I said, you guys did such a great job problem solving, working it out. And I was looking at that going, wonder why. I never could do that as a mom. Wonder why when my children did that, when Emily and Joseph were arguing about a blanket, I said, give me the blanket. I'm throwing it away. I'm putting it in the fireplace now. Or there were many times when I, they would get, go at it with each other and I would stand up and I would look at them and go, I'm leaving the room. I, I can't handle it. If y'all don't stop, I'm gonna i I'm gonna do something and it's gonna be bad, and I would leave. I'm like, why couldn't I do what I was doing with Brooklyn and with Lowick, and there was no drama, there was no argument. I literally remember Emily as a preschooler. This is confession, and I'm embarrassed. I looked at her in her eyes, sobbing, and so I'm sure because I was feeling emotional and passionate, I was, you know, my volume was elevated, And I looked at my preschooler and said, why are you doing this to me? I'm like, where where was that mom that was with Brooklyn and Lowick, where was she 20 years ago? This is what I know to be true. I studied special education. I studied behavior management. When I was a classroom teacher, my passion was behavior management. I said, give me the challenging ones. Give me the handfuls. I love that. I'll take a handful over a bump on a log any day. Give them to me. Pass them my way. Then I had some. And then all of my schooling, all of my training, all of the stuff that I encouraged mothers to do was now tethered to my fear, to my my panic that what I was doing was wrong. Layer in the fact that I was exhausted and the fact that we were trying to pay bills and and the fact that there was a pile of laundry always that never went away that it, it That's what motherhood is. It is trying to find and dig deep and find that level-headed, problem-solving mom who can look at the issue with clarity, creativity, and problem-solving ability and applying it to her own children. Well, you know what? I have to confess, I did it probably over the last 25 years. I've probably hit that mom about three times. But the good news is that today... We are going to look at strategies to do just that, because I know for a fact that my children met my level. They met me at my level. If I escalated, they escalated. You see, Loic in Brooklyn, I was talking to them like this. I was just talking in an inside voice. I didn't embarrass anyone, I didn't call anyone out. I said, hey guys, we got a problem here and we're gonna solve it, as opposed to my children. Go to your room! You know, because I didn't have a solution. So what we're gonna do, we all know that those emotions and those situations, and we talked about self-care, you're tired, you're hungry, you haven't exercised, you are illogical, you are irrational, you're fearful, you're frustrated, all of those things. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look at that and go, okay, how can I dig deep and find that mom and solve these problems with clarity, creativity, and problem-solving ability? Because... It's not about the stage of life you're in. When I was reading, when I was studying for this, I did apologize to both of my children. I called and I said, I know more now. I'm studying more now. I can look at it more objectively now. And I want, I'm gonna be an amazing grandmother and I'm going to be so much more helpful because we know that because we are emotionally connected to our children, and that's a good thing, whether by birth, you had those children by marriage, by adoption, by fostering, it doesn't matter. If you're responsible for them, then you're emotionally charged about them. And that's appropriate. That's not something to be embarrassed about or ashamed of, but we embrace our responsibility to put those emotions in check and to leverage them for good. And so, we are going to anybody in here interested in learning how to discipline without drama, anyone? Oh, okay. Yes, I see all the moms. And so, here's what we're going to do. You're going to turn to your neighbor and say, "No more mama drama." No more mama drama. Turn to your other neighbor and say, "I said no more mama drama." No more mama drama. We are going to learn some tools that can help us as we look for those decis- d- disciplined decision-making skills without drama. But what we wanna do first is let's get on the same page with our definition of discipline. I wanna talk to you about what I mean by discipline because you come into this room with some experience, most of you, either the way you were disciplined or the way maybe you've thought you should discipline, or maybe the way that you've been disciplining. And so let's get on the same page with our definition. Discipline means teaching and training children to become, ready, resilient, competent, independent. Say independent. Say it louder like you mean it this time. Independent to become Resilient, competent, independent adults. We have to remember that that's our goal. It's not about surviving preschool or surviving middle school or surviving the teenage years. It's about preparing them for adulthood. It's about equipping them and training them and teaching them. It's intentional instruction as well as observed overflow. It is teaching them and equipping them to be resilient. We want them to be able to function in the real world. We know for a fact That children go to college or leave the home at some point, whether they go to college or not. We know that there will come a time when they have to make decisions on their own. You only learn how to make decisions if you're given the opportunity to make decisions. So we're going to work that in. I want to remind you that in Fearless Mom, we embrace the responsibility of being teacher and trainer. If you haven't already, listen or watch the parenting posture from the fall, and that will remind you how we are called, we are given the responsibility to be an authoritative mother, an authoritative parent who is not pushover Paula or Sergeant Sally, but disciplines and trains and teaches and embraces that authority. So let's look at Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should what? That's just a little reminder about the independence that we're working toward. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This isn't a promise. If I have him in church every Sunday, he's gonna make all the right decisions. It's saying it's your job to do your best to set him up for his best. It's your job to work at it and do your best to set her up for her best. Um, So that's our responsibility, and we embrace that responsibility. And often moms will ask me, I'm gonna tell you, Everywhere I go when I do Q and A, a mother will ask me about a specific behavior. I can't get my child to blank, be ready on time. I can't get my child to clean up his room. I can't get my child to um, quit hitting his sister. Whatever the specific behavior is, I almost always respond with the exact same solution, with the exact same thing. I will tell you there are two kinds of behavior, acceptable, and unacceptable, and so you must address both, actually. Acceptable, we, ex- we address, but we praise and we reward, and then unacceptable, we correct and we give a negative consequence. So let's look, I have a graphic up here that reminds you of the simple discipline, and if you're listening, we'll post this so that you have it right in front of you. Um, it applies to almost every situation. How you present it, And the consequence you choose may be unique to your situation or may be specific to your child, but here it is. Establish the desired behavior. State what you expect, and uh, then, number two, articulate that and model it for your child. If you want your child to quit yelling, I suggest that you quit yelling, quit yelling. That's what I would do. I can't just... tell you the number of times I would scream at them, stop yelling, you know, or be quiet. And actually, classroom Julie knows for a fact, when I'm teaching a large group of children, they match me. And if I want them to listen, I just get quiet. It's amazing. But Mom Julie didn't always always employ that same thing. And so we then model it, and then we give a positive consequence when the behavior is displayed. Here's the thing about discipline. A lot of people think discipline is just punishment. We would tell you discipline is actually the teaching and training. It involves both punishment and reward. And so our responsibility is to look for opportunities to reward. If you've asked your child to do something, then you should say, thanks for doing that. You, You should praise. I don't mean you have to buy them something every. Time they do it, um, you know. We don't. <laughs> we don't reward kids for living in our house. You know. I, I would just say, you know, hey, I noticed how you did that. I'm trying to, especially if you have a kid who is, um, you're having to implement the discipline, the negative consequences more. Look and work for every opportunity you can to give positive. And then what's number five? Rinse and repeat. And if I could, I would put 35 overs, maybe 45, maybe 450, over and over and over and over. But Julie, it's not working. I'll go, well, has he left the house yet? Is it, you know, keep on, you, it, it's, not, it's a marathon, not a sprint. That's what I think we do, I think we look at one behavior and we go, but I'm trying to fix this behavior. And I'm like, hey, back up, you're trying to raise an adult. And so it, if I'm trying to get my child to quit hitting his sister, then what I'm really trying to do is to raise a kind adult who is aware of personal space and that his actions affect others. If you tell me that, hey Julie, You're you're working on kindness. I understand that that is a concept that will take longer to learn than one day or one week. But if you tell me when I focus on, I'm just trying to get him to stop now, you know, then I get overwhelmed. I get frustrated. I get mad at him. I worry like nothing's working. My mind immediately goes, he's definitely going to be in juvie. I can tell by the way he hits his sister that he's going to probably be arrested for armed robbery. It's so clear to me, you know. But now back up. Get some common sense here and go, actually, this is is a marathon, and I'm going to keep running. It's a marathon, not a sprint, because heads up, if you have a toddler right now, you will revisit toddlerhood when they're teenagers. That's not bad. That is called the cycle of life, the arguments you have. Just just remember the conversations because you'll be having them again. It's just the person's a little bit bigger, you know, but you're having the same things. And so it's a marathon. Don't get frustrated. You're not blindsided by that. I know to expect it. I know it's part of it. That doesn't mean I lower my expectations. Oh, this is typical. It can be typical. It can be understandable and still be unacceptable. So I do not lower the bar, I still address it, I still give a negative consequence, but when I know it's coming, or when I feel like, oh, this is what everybody does, because that's really what we're worried about. We're really looking at that going, I'm obviously doing it wrong. There's obviously something I could be doing to stop that behavior right now, or I'm panicking, Um, I'm afraid that she's gonna grow up and treat everyone like this, And, and all of those emotions, are entering our minds, entering our hearts. You cannot problem solve rationally and logically when you're in your amygdala. And so what we wanna do is we wanna learn how to go, oh, this is normal, I'm okay, I can take a break from this. And even if it's not normal, let's say it is unique to your child. Okay, this is a marathon, this is a marathon. It's okay if I take a break from the marathon and get a piece of chocolate and breathe and then I'll go back to it. It's a marathon that you can rejoin at any time. And so what we want to do is go, okay, what's the big picture here? Let's look at discipline. It's teaching and training to raise adults, to equip them. And then also, if you're thinking, I don't know what to address. What's, what's big and what's little? How do I know? We're going to talk more about that, but this is what I would say. Usually, I'll go, look at that behavior and picture it in a classroom. Is it appropriate? Picture it in a dorm room. Is it okay? Picture it in a boardroom. Is that gonna work to my child's benefit? And so that's how you know when, and, uh, when to address something and when not to, and we focus, go back to the series on pirate parenting, the things that we do not waver on, authority, responsibility, gratitude, and honesty, ARG, easy to remember, authority, responsibility, gratitude, and honesty, lots more on that in that series. But we have to remember that discipline is more about shaping a child's heart than fixing a child's behavior. Discipline is more about shaping a child's heart than fixing a child's behavior. It's all about preparing him or her for life. And so how do we do that? If I stop that behavior right there, I may have stopped that behavior, but have I equipped her to know what to do in the future? And so we're gonna look at Proverbs 4.23, we say this a lot, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The best thing I can give to my children is the one thing that can prepare them for anything. And that's their own relationship with God, their own understanding that God has a vision and a plan for their life, and that Jesus saves them and is forgiving, and then to let them live that out. That's the one thing you can give them that can prepare them for everything. But along the way, we are going to implement some fearless discipline. And that's what I want to talk to you about. What does fear? fearless discipline look like? How do we remove the drama? And what drama am I talking about? Because as I said with Loic and with Brooklyn, I was so calm. I offered them choices. It was so clear to me. And I never raised my voice. Why? Because I'm not afraid that I parented them wrong. I'm not worried. I'm not offended by their behavior. I'm not any of those things. But Sometimes, even with Brooklyn and Lowick, and with my children, I don't have the opportunity to give them choices. If my child darts out into the parking lot at Target, I cannot go, you have two choices. Either you get smashed by a car or you come stand with me. You get to make the choice. I pray you make the wise one. That, that, that's not right. There are definitely times when we have to direct and when we have to use a firm tone. And so I'm, I need you to <laughs> apply some wisdom, discernment, and common sense to what we're saying today. So fearless discipline. Number one, we want to minimize yelling and maximize training. What's my job? I'm training for them to be independent. I'm training them. Training is a long term thing. Training is a lifetime thing. You know, I'm 50 years old. No lie, I was reprimanded by my dad like a couple of months ago. He heard me on the phone with mom. And um, I was getting my mom worked up about a family member. And my dad told my mom, I'm 50, guys, tell Julie to call me on my phone. <laughs> and I said, Mom, why is dad talking like that? And um, she said, He says that he wants you to call him. I said, Mom, I can hear him. Just hand him the phone. And she goes, and then I hear him again, tell Julie to call me on my phone. I'm like, Mom, do you think he wants to give me a present? And she said, that is not what it sounds like. And so I called Dad. He said, hello. And you know what? My mom and I were just getting worked up talking about a situation that really didn't directly affect us, you know? And so he goes, quit talking about them. And start praying for them. That is the right thing to do. Yes, sir. And I call mom. I'm like, why were you standing next to dad when we were talking? Is a lifetime, it is a lifetime sport. And so, yeah, I'm like, mom, did you just meet him? Anyway, um, he was right, he was right. And my mom's texting me, dad doesn't know the whole story. <laughs> so I said, mom, dad was right. He was right. We rolled our eyes and moved on. But anyway, it's a lifetime sport. So minimize yelling and maximize training. Um, so when I look at why do I yell? Why do I overreact? Why can't I be reason? Why can't I be logical? It's because I'm usually angry. And um, I'm going to throw some Gottman in there because, you know, they're the sociological gurus. And so the Gottman Institute actually... um, has a thing called the anger iceberg, the anger iceberg. And the point is that anger, you've heard me say it before, is a secondary emotion. And so when we get angry, when we're reacting to our children, when our response is disproportionate to the offense or maybe to your husband or to a friend or to a situation, typically we should take a pause and go, why am I angry? I know that anger is a secondary response. So the anger is what you see, it's the top of the iceberg, but then they'll tell you that odds are you're feeling one of these things. It's what you can't see underneath. And I I know you can't read all these words right now. Again, I'm gonna post this as well, but it's so real. And often as moms, we are either, I would say the biggies, we are exhausted, so we're irrational. We are offended, like, okay, you're five. <laughs> or we are embarrassed if it happens in front of someone else. Um, or we're afraid. We are afraid that this is not working. Again, you know, me, I go straight to, you know, they're gonna be in a penitentiary. You know, I've, I didn't do my job. I'm very frustrated. But then the reality is sometimes we have to go all the way back to our self-care and go, am I tired Am I hungry, have I, you know, are we financially stressed? Is my financial, hey, guess what? Whether you know it or not, if you have financial stress, it's on you all the time. This is not about guilt. This is saying, do something about it and understand that I there are some things in my life that I can control so that I can be more logical and more rational. Sometimes it's just take a break. One time Emily, would um, she was late to the bus and um, I kept yelling, <laughs> so effective. I kept yelling to come on, come on, come on. The bus is coming, I see the bus. I, I know we're gonna miss the bus and I'm so furious at this point. Why? Because I was inconvenient. And because I was mad. And so I knew this is not the time to discipline. A lot of times as moms, we think, I better handle this immediately. And I'm like, That was not the time for me to be handling it. but And I was also really mad because I had to get Joseph up because he was asleep, um, because he was sick. And so I'm laying the guilt on Emily. Get in the car. Now I have to wake up your brother. So effective. And so I'm, I'm yelling. We get to the school. She won't get out of the car. Um, the You know, four and, fourth and fifth graders are opening the door. Good morning, how they do at the carpool line. And Emily is down under. She's screaming her seatbelt across her neck you know right here and she's going I'm not going and um, I'm in my pajamas mm-hmm. so I couldn't get out of the car so now I'm mad I'm tired I'm furious and I knew I need a break from this you know I can't rationally think that and I knew she wasn't getting out of the car I knew I couldn't walk her in because I was in my pajamas. And uh, I do have my limits, y'all. I do have some pride. I only went to the bus stop in my pajamas. And so then I get home and I gave her a breakdown. I just said, you get ready and I'll wait up here. I knew that I needed to take a breath. So I want to tell you some something you can do when you sense that if you are an overreactor, if you are a passionate person, and you go, "This is me. I'm I'm irrationally responding," um, and you want to minimize your yelling. Number one, be aware. Be aware. Call it what it is, guys. Call it what it is, and understand. It's not productive. I understand that you're frustrated and mad, but you're not getting anywhere closer to your goal of an independent child. So call it what it is. I was an overreactor. I will tell you that now, particularly when I was tired. I am an overreactor. So now that I've studied so much and become aware, like, okay, that's my amygdala. I eat, The louder I yell, it's less likely to move to my prefrontal cortex. But I know that something there's something I can do. I can breathe, and I'm gonna do the eight-count breathing for y'all, ready? I literally do this, and I promise you it helps, because breathing, is not just a response, it also tells your body what's going on. So if I'm breathing fast, it's telling my body I'm in fight or flight. So therefore, if I slow my breathing, now my body's not reacting and thinking I'm in fight or flight. So there's so much to be learned. So here's my eight count breathing. Breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for eight. Ready, do it with me, ready? We're gonna breathe in for four, breathe in. One, two, three, four, hold. Six, seven, eight. Breathe out. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Breathe in. Two, three, four. Hold. Six, seven, eight. Breathe out. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Some of you want to take a nap right now. Is that amazing? And that's a tool that we can use and we'll learn also. It's a tool we can give our kids. That is a great tool. It's that take a breath, take a break, watch your tone, watch your face. That's for moms as much as it is for children. That now, and then remember, if I remember the training, that it's not just I'm fixing that behavior, but I'm training for adulthood, that helps. And then I stop the yelling. Stop, if you catch yourself, stop your, catch yourself before you wreck yourself. That is from an inappropriate movie. So number two, (laughs) minimize tension, maximize connection. Minimize tension, maximize connection. If you feel, if you begin to sense a season, a period of time, an ongoing time where you feel tension between you and your child, do something about it. First, remember, it's a season, it's not gonna last forever. And then second, do something about it. Work for connection. And that's different with every child. And if you are a mom who works outside the home, if you are a mom with multiple children, if you are a mom who just had another baby, then odds are guilt may be driving a lot of your decisions because you're thinking, well, if I didn't have this other baby, I would be able to spend time with him. Or if we didn't have to move, I could do. Well, if I didn't have a job. Well, if I, whatever it is, I will tell you, There's there's an if situation for every situation. If I didn't stay at home, then I wouldn't be as frustrated. If I didn't work outside the home, I wouldn't be as frustrated. There's an if for everything. Stop ifing, and start problem solving. It is what it is, whatever your situation, and God's gonna fill in the gaps where you fall short. Relax, no more guilt. Guilt is the enemy of forward progress. So this is my situation. I'm gonna control what I can, and I'm gonna let go of what I can't. I'm gonna control what I can, let go of what I can't. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go, you know what, I've been feeling um, a little distant from this child. A lot of times, guilt sets in just about that. I'm embarrassed that I don't like my child. I'm embarrassed that I don't want to, everybody else really enjoys their kids. Hey, heads up, no they don't. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you may, you may, but every, you may get to a season. You may not. I remember someone telling me, you, will, you need to prepare yourself because she is gonna be a terror as a teenager. No, she wasn't. She wasn't a terror. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you will, just brace yourself, you will really not wanna be around your child. That's not how I feel. But I'm saying if you get to a stage, remember, it's just a little season and then do something about it. Work on the connection. With Joe, Joe was so quiet and he didn't really articulate a lot of stuff. So on sometimes I would wonder like, are we really connected? Like what what is, do I really know what he likes? Because with Emily, you don't wonder. You know how she's feeling and why she's feeling it and everything else. And then with Joe, I had to dig a little deeper and I had to try to figure out. So I would encourage you, if you're feeling distant from one of your children or you can't understand them, you know what? I went to a counselor with Emily and I told y'all that. I said, could it be her hormones? She was four. Um, Could it be her hormones? Is that, can that? And the doctor said, no, but it could be yours. Mm -hmm. And so I do believe, though, we underestimate the role we play. And I'm not saying this because of guilt. I'm saying this because I did it many times. I escalated, which told her to escalate. I reacted, which told him to react. And so if I had it to do all over again, like I said, I'm going to be an amazing grandmother. If I had it to do all over again, I would figure it out, figure out why, and bring that yelling down and minimize the tension and maximize connection. If you um, don't have it already, the five love languages book to understand how you you may be thinking, I am pouring out my love to this teenager. Of course he knows, but you may be pouring something and he's receiving it differently understand and get to know your kids, and that will maximize the connection, which in and of itself will minimize the tension. Then number three, minimize controlling, maximize equipping. Minimize controlling, maximize equipping. This is where wisdom and discernment play a huge role, because I can't tell you when you can let your child do this independently or that independently. You know your situation, your neighborhood, your school. You know to pray for wisdom and discernment, but we said that we want our children to grow up and know how to make wise choices. How do they know how to make wise choices unless we've given them the opportunity to make choices. So whenever possible, allow your child to make choices. I don't mean, hey, do you want Cheetos or broccoli? You get to choose, you know. No, I'm the mom and I'm going to give options that I'm healthy with both ways. I, for instance, did not care about what my kids wore. That was not a big deal to me. And so that was an option, a choice I could give them. Even if I felt like it was the wrong choice. It's not going to be fatal if my child chooses to wear jeans to school on a day when it's 105 degrees on the playground. I controlled that. In hindsight, why do I care if she's sweating? at recess, you know, why do I, that doesn't, that, but I was like, you are not wearing jeans. I put my foot down. I was controlling and I was, the best thing I could have done the first time, let her wear those jeans, let her sweat it out. And then we'd probably never have the discussion again. Instead, almost every day, <laughs> almost every day, or Joe refused to wear long pants in the winter. Guess what? He's not going to get pneumonia. It's okay. Okay. And I was controlling, and I was, but guess what? It would have nipped it in the butt. It would have removed the tension. It would have removed the yelling. It would have removed the controlling and then given him an opportunity to learn from that choice. They will not learn natural consequences unless they experience natural consequences. They won't learn it unless given the option. And so we have to gradually let go, gradually, as much as possible, let go. You're giving them the choice. This is another removal of um, the yelling and the tension and the volume. So if you give choices like this, for instance, your child continues, we'll talk more about this next week, continues to sit at the table, um, is either yelling, arguing, whatever's happening at the dinner table, and then you just give them. You can sit at the table and eat your dinner, or you can join us for breakfast in the morning. There. You would let your child go without eating. Hey guys, you know what? We feed our kids plenty. No one's getting dehydrated or undernourished if they leave dinner early. And maybe that's your thing. And you're not comfortable with that. That's fine. Give another choice. You can either eat your dinner here at the table or you can eat it in the bathroom, you know? And so it's just a choice, but I'm, I'm happy with both decisions. I'm not setting them up and I'm not giving a hollow threat. You can either eat your dinner or I will never feed you again. You know, I mean, that's ridiculous. So you give the choice, in a ri- and, and you're happy with both decisions. You know. And then you would say, I'm glad you chose the wise choice. I'm glad. Or you know what? They, have the, they go eat in the bathroom, and odds are, I mean, maybe you have a kid that that doesn't bother. And that's fine. It doesn't matter. I, I was happy with both choices. I want everybody to be at the dinner table, and that's what, I, yeah, I'm making it about me. And, and that's not going to be a pattern. You don't get to eat in the bathroom for the rest of your life. But does that make sense? You give the choice, and it just diffuses the situation. Um, You determine the choices. You can, okay, there's another one. Try to give positive instructions. A lot of moms will say, um, I say no too much. I'm saying no all the time. Flip it and say it positively. Can I go outside? After you finish your homework. I didn't say no. I didn't say, can I go to the movie? Um, Absolutely. Do you have the money and gas for your car? Sure. Sure. I'm not, have you done your homework, have you, I'm not saying no, I'm saying if you've done these things. There are some things I say no about, but I'm, every opportunity I get, instead of stop running, I say walking feet, instead of quit climbing on everything, you see now I'm frustrated and that's motivating, I just say feet on the ground, feet on the ground or you're gonna have to sit by me the whole time. So now I've given choices and they get to choose. And then I say, oh, wise choice. I I bet you'll have more fun. And so move on. So you minimize that. Now, control what you can, make peace with what you cannot. You can't make your child eat, you know, unless you're gonna force it down their throat. You can't make your child sleep. Emily had major sleep issues when she was young and I would worry about it and I would get frantic. And finally I go, hey, you know what, Emily? Um, your body is gonna let you tell you when you need to sleep. So go in your room and you can read until you fall asleep. And that's fine. I gave her boundaries. That, and of course, I'm stressed out telling Mac, what if she's exhausted and then she's a terror at school tomorrow? And Mac is like, then they'll handle it at school. It's not fatal, you see what I'm saying? So when you have that opportunity, and then she would suffer from the natural consequences and maybe go to bed earlier the next night. Knowing Emily, she just doesn't need a lot of sleep. She needs one sleep in day to catch up, and then she's fine. But I made it an issue every night unnecessarily. Learn from my mistakes. Again, don't worry about it. I've already apologized to Emily. Here are a few keys to fearless discipline. I'm gonna hit them because I'm gonna talk about it more next week, okay? Clarity. Keys to fearless discipline, clarity. Clearly articulate your expectation. Do not say, quit bugging me. You know, you're irritating me. Or quit being so, speak specifically, succinctly with clarity. And that's number two, brevity. Brevity, as few words as possible. You do not need to go into a monologue about how your mother never taught you this and you're saving him from you know, a life of misery by t- equipping him with this. It is clarity and brevity. I will tell you when my kids were, um, this goes to the clarity and the brevity actually, um, when we would leave Target, you know me, I miss worst case scenario. I totally know someone's gonna get my children, someone's gonna hit my children. Something, you know, something, A trauma is always about to occur in my life. And so when we were in the store and we were out of the store, I would say, touch the cart. They knew we were in the store, their hand had to be on the cart. If I said things like, stay close to me, well, what's close? That's subjective. And you know, Joe would be hollering over here, I can see you, we're on close. You know, instead, touch the cart. That's non-negotiable, it's objective, they're either doing it or they're not, and I give consequences. When we got to the car, I would say, hands on the tire. Is it dirty? Yes, that's okay. Did we eat lunch at Chick-fil-A right after? Yes, you know what, they both survived. And so I would say, hands on the tire. And so they knew that. that, that was our rule. Your hand's not on the tire, consequence, move, move on. But it was such a part of it. Here's the deal. A reaction does not require thinking. That's a reflex, that's our, and that's what we're doing. But a response is intentional and with purpose and thought. But if I teach my kids to respond, if I learn how to respond enough, it becomes a reflex and a reaction. So it got to the point where my kids, I never had to even say it because I did it every single time and probably over and over again while I was there. Clarity, brevity, tone, tone, they'll match you. You want less drama, you have less drama. You want less volume, you have less volume. You want less yelling, you quit yelling. It's not easy. It is not easy. But you can do it. And you can do it. And here's the deal this is what I tell you you got the choice, and you will have the natural consequence of that choice. Do I still yell? Yes. And I regret it every time. I can speak firmly without yelling. And actually, Emily will say that Mac, when he was really mad, whispered. And that was the scariest thing. So it actually is a big deal. And then empathy empathy is not making an excuse. Empathy is validating the feeling, validating. So for instance, let's say they make the wise choice. I go, oh, I'm so glad because I like it when you're at the table too. I like it when you're here with us too. I'm empathizing, I'm connecting, and I'm saying actually your actions affect the whole family just by saying, I'm not guilt tripping. See, now we're all miserable. You know, I'm not gonna say if I did or didn't say that, <laughs> Maybe. But was not effective. And so, but I'm also empathizing when they have a negative consequence. I can say, you know what? I knew that you were upset. And um, I, I know that's no fun to, uh, whatever the consequence, to have to go to bed early when you wanted to stay up and watch the movie with us. You empathize instead of, you see, your choice. Mm hmm, your choice. Way to go. That's that sarcasm. And I'm not making an excuse for their behavior. I also may have done that. And so let's keep going. I'm not even kidding. This lesson made me feel like I literally call Mac and I go, I'm the worst mom in the world. I did all of these things. God is forgiving. Today's a new day. Okay, number five, last one, consistency. Just keep doing it. Well, it's not working. Keep doing it. It's not working. Keep, it, it, is he 25 yet? Is he 35 yet? You know, talk to somebody and then keep doing it. I keep loving I keep training, I keep teaching. The older they get, the less control I have, the less responsibility. It hurts when your children make decisions and they have to endure the consequences, but I'm like, hey, I'd rather them learn learn natural consequences at 15, at 25, than at 45 and 50, when a lot of other, um, the consequences are a little more severe. So as we go forward now, we move into a time of reflection. Study yourself and prepare yourself go, you know what, am I an overreactor? Do I overreact to things? Is anger a sign of something else? Am I embarrassed? Am I frustrated? I'm a yeller. You know what, I I got some pipes. I was a cheerleader, you know, I used them for good. All those things, But, but do I need to all the time? And so I'm gonna examine, I'm gonna be honest and I'm gonna be humble and I'm gonna have a growth mindset. And instead of living in that guilt, which I got to that place, I guess it was last Thursday when I started writing my notes and I was just like, oh my gosh. So you know what my reflex was? I was like, I don't even agree with this stuff this guy's saying. I, I was like, oh, fixed mindset. I do agree with him and I can take what I've learned and filter it through my life and filter it through scripture and apply it and be better starting today. And so I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna have a growth mindset, and I'm going to be willing to make little changes. There's something I can do today. I can start that breathing thing right now. I can be breathing while I'm drinking my coffee. I can double up, I can triple up. I can have my coffee, I can have it on the porch and you know be with nature, and I can breathe in between my sips. I am killing the game. By 6 a.m., there are things that you can do. Instead of being overwhelmed, break it down and go, what's one thing? What's one thing I can do? So we're gonna take a look at what we can do to make positive change. Guilt is the enemy of forward progress. It has no place here. It is honesty and forward movement. Self-care. What can I do to take care of myself that can make me better at discipline? Lose the edge. Some of you maybe need to find the fight. So some of you are going, yeah, I'm a yeller. Others of you are going, "This is, I cannot believe there are people that yell. Like, I like being with my kid all the time. That is amazing. And so maybe you need to find some grit, you know? Some of us need to lose our edge. Others of us need to find the grit because we've already said you gotta be the authority. You gotta step in there and embrace the responsibility. And so I'm going to leave this verse up on the screen. Let's put it up. It is Proverbs 31. When she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions without kindness. Kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household, and look at that, carefully watches everything in her household, and suffers nothing from laziness. She's at work. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for the calling and the responsibility of motherhood. I ask that you ease our hearts and minds, that you, you show us where we need to change, but let us see if we're stuck in guilt. Let us see if we're stuck in a fixed mindset. We're here, we're listening, we're watching because we want to get better. Help us get better. Show me what I can do. One thing, to have a better day so my kids have a better day. In Jesus' name, amen.